0: One spirit uh, of the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called with one hope uh, that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father of all, who was over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what that does mean is that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth. He who descended is one who also ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, building up the body of Christ until we attain full unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to measure the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be tossed to and and fro by the waves carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the human human cunning, by the craftiness and deceitful schemes." Rather, speaking in truth and love, we are to grow up in every way in him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body is joined and held together by every joint in which it is equipped. Uh, when the body when each part is working properly, uh, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And I know that was just a, a lot of text all at once, a huge passage. Um, so, thank you for sticking, sticking through it with me. Um, I, I have pretty bad ADHD, so I honestly, I started to lose focus as we were going through that. But before we actually jump into this passage and start really breaking it down, there's three things that we kind of need to be clear on. The first one is this, um, and it's, does anybody remember specifically what Alex taught about last week? We're in Ephesians chapter 3, does anybody call it out? Anybody remember it? No, that's okay, I, I remember Alex. We were talking about the, the mystery of the gospel, um, and, and what, what that sacrifice in the gospel really means. And that is super, super important. Listen, I want to be some really, really clear about something. The gospel is the core of what I'm talking about right now. We're going to talk about specifically about church unity and what it means to be a family as a group of Christians, but the gospel is at the core of what we're talking about. And just to be super, super blunt with you guys, if, if what I'm about to say, or if what I'm about to teach, with, sorry, without the gospel, what I'm about to teach just doesn't matter. Just to be blunt with you guys. So I'm not specifically teaching about the resurrection or about Jesus dying on the cross or even specifically about Jesus' life. But the gospel is still very much at the core of what I'm about to say. I don't wanna, I'm not teaching you guys how to be good Christians, okay? That's not, if that's all we get out of tonight, I've failed miserably. So the goal is not that we're a super, super good-looking church family to everybody on the outside. The goal is that we grow closer to Jesus on the inside. So what Alex taught about last week is very much at the center of what we're talking about tonight, even though we're not specifically talking about the gospel account. So I want to be super clear about that, and, and keep in mind as well, Ephesians is a letter. That's the next thing that we kind of we have to go over before we jump into this. Um, it's important to remember that Ephesians is a letter, and so as a result, Paul was writing this letter to a group of people. He wasn't writing the letter to a building, and so it's important to keep that in mind that he was writing this letter to build up the church and kind of instruct them and teach them. And that kind of, kind of brings me to the third point here. If we're talking about the church, if Paul was writing the, the, that a letter to a group of people and not to a building, because honestly it would be kind of, kind of concerning if Paul was just writing to a building, right? A little bit schizophrenic. So he's writing to a group of people um, and he's, he's talking about church unity. Um, and so it's important then if we're going to talk about church unity and Paul's writing to a group of people, we define what a church is. Because I think some of what's happened is we've lost what a church is kind of to our modern culture. Um, that we have been we've been confused by, by Western Americanism and consumerism, and we get this idea that that church is a building. So all of us want really nice things. Yeah, raise your hand if you like having nice stuff. Yeah, everybody's hand should be up, right? We want we want nice clothes, we want nice phones, nice cars. Um, we want we want to go to nice schools. We just want to have nice things, you know. And I, I I'm the same way. I want to have a PS Five. I like I like shoes. I like. Stuff like that. We all want nice things. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that, but I'm afraid that we've begun to approach church the same way that we approach um, our shoes and our cars and our phones and that we want a really, really nice building, right? And so the focus has become about the building. It's about having a basketball hoop and a hiking trail out back. Or it becomes about having a big parking lot and a big, beautiful building where we put a lot of people into it and the numbers are really, really good. And so church becomes this, about the same things that we approach our day-to-day life with. It becomes about having nice stuff. And that's just not how Jesus intended for us to approach church. Church is not a building. It is a group of people. Listen, Redemption Chapel has been blessed with a super nice building. God has blessed us with a basketball court and a hiking trail and a cool building with cool lights and a stage and projectors. But hear me very, very clearly, the church is not the stage. It's not these chairs that you're sitting in. It's not this room. It's not the lights. That is not the church. You guys are the church. The church is a collection of people. It's a family. It's a a family unit that moves together. And we're going to get into some of that specifically as Paul kind of lays it out in this chapter. But hear me very, very clearly that the church is not a building. Listen, Redemption Chapel, this building that we call Redemption Chapel, this building could disappear off the face of the earth tomorrow morning. We could just, I could be pulling into the office and the building's just gone, and Redemption Chapel is still here. Do you guys tracking? Because we're still here. Does that make sense? So when I'm talking about the church, I'm not talking about this building. Um, and then that, I just want to reiterate one more thing as well. Sometimes um, you, get the, you get the thing where adults will treat you because you're younger as if you're not the church right now, that you're the church of tomorrow. And it to be super, super clear that you guys are just as much a part of the church as me or as Alex or as Isaac or as Johnny or anybody that you'll ever see on stage. You guys are just as much a part of the church as we are. And it's really important to me that you guys understand that. There's not some, some angel watching you waiting for you to walk across the stage at graduation. And the second you get your diploma, he flicks a switch and you're like, all right, I guess they're a part of the church now. That's just... Just not how it works. You guys are as much a part of the church as anybody that you'll ever see on stage, and it's important to me that you guys understand that. You're as much a part of our church family as, as any like adult that you'll ever see on stage here. Um, and so that kind of brings me to the third thing. So if if the church is a family, right? If the church is a family unit that's meant to function together and move together and it's a group of people— Nobody wants to be a part of a, of a dysfunctional, unhealthy family. Nobody's going to choose to be a part of a family where they're stepped on and kind of pushed aside and they're, they're hurt by the people that are supposed to be taking care of them, supposed to be loving them. And so Paul lays out three markers that we can kind of use to, to mark whether or not a church is healthy. Uh, and those markers are unity, diversity, and maturity. And, uh, and we'll, go, we'll go into that all of that in a second. That's, that's kind of going to guide us as we talk about it. Um, and the first one is unity. In verse 3, Paul says we're, we're supposed to be eager to maintain unity. Sometimes Paul's kind of like cryptic, I guess, when he's talking. Uh, sometimes he, he's more uh, kind of offering advice, and sometimes he's, he's saying, no, this is how you do it. He's super clear. And verse 3 is one of those times where he's super clear. If you, if you look at the screen, it's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3. He says, we ought to be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And there's not, much, there's not much gray area there. There's not much wiggle room. Paul's just saying be, be unified together. And I don't know if you remember after that, uh, Paul starts talking about having one body, one spirit, one hope, and one Lord. And ultimately, the point he's making is that we ought to be unified in that one body, that one spirit, that one hope, that one Lord. And, and that's, that's the essence of the gospel. That's what we talked about earlier. That's why it's so important. Listen, the gospel is the one thing that links us all together. The gospel is the one thing that links us all together. So it's that one body, that one spirit, that one hope, that one Lord that ought to unify us, that ought to bring us together. I've I've heard it said like this before. That Christianity is exclusively inclusive. And I know that's kind of a mouthful. It sounds weird. And it just basically means this. It means that Christianity is the one place where you can go where who you are is not that important. There's no barrier to entry. It doesn't matter... um, whether you, whether you're, uh, It doesn't matter your race or your gender or your disability or your ability. It doesn't matter your financial standing. None of that matters. The only thing that matters when you're approaching the church is Jesus' sacrifice and that you love him and that you follow him. That's it. So we're, we're exclusively inclusive. We are exclusively the only place where you can be included no matter what. The only thing, the only box you have to check is that Jesus saved you. And that's, that's a pretty easy box to check because we don't have to do anything. Besides, be loved by Jesus. Um, and, then, and that's why Paul tells us to just then walk in peace and patience and gentleness and humility as we, as we move together. Because we're very much moving together. We're very much just saved by Christ. We're broken, messy people who are saved by Christ. And so as a result, we get to be a part of that family. But then there's no room for pride and, and arrogance because we're unified because of Jesus' sacrifice. But I want to be careful with something because as I'm talking about unity, I think sometimes people get confused and they think that means we're all supposed to be the same. That then if we're supposed to be unified, we we should all be the same. And so people get confused and that's not the case. Listen, Alex and I, and this kind of brings us to our second marker, which is diversity, but Alex and I are very, very different people. We're good friends, but anybody who knows us at all knows that Alex and I are just just not the same. And that's actually a really good thing. And as much as I would love to like work with another Caleb, if I could clone myself and there could be two of me, that would be a blast. Um, but you can ask anybody that's in charge of me, Redemption Chapel would be smoldering in ashes, okay? It just, it just wouldn't work. And so even though um, Alex and I are different, it's actually a very good thing that we're diverse in that way, that we're not the exact same. So unity and diversity don't cancel each other out. They actually work together really, really well. Um, and verse 16, it starts to talk about how we're held together. We're, we're the same body part held together by different... Or different body parts held together by different joints. It does not say that we're the same body part. The, the analogy that popped into my head is um, is football, actually. Um, any, did anybody watch the Browns game today? Yeah? We finally won one. It was a, it was a good game to watch. Um, and we beat the, the Bengals as well. Um, but I, I actually... I'm not going to get lost down that rabbit hole right now. Uh, but when you're playing football, if you have four, uh, four hands, if you have two pairs of hands, it's, n- it's not a great look. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's kind of hard to run if you have hands for feet. And it's kind of hard to catch if you have feet for hands. So you need those different body parts. You need feet just as much as you need hands. Um, and, that's, and that's kind of similar to the analogy that Paul's making here. He's saying, look, we're different body, pelt, different body parts. We're held together. We're the same body, um, but we're different body parts that function differently. And diversity ends up being a beautiful thing. Listen, um, it's part of why Redemption Chapel is, is so big on racial reconciliation, Diversity is is a beautiful gift from God, and it's meant to be celebrated. And as Christians, especially as Christians when we're approaching the church body, we ought to be the ones who are celebrating diversity. We should be the ones who are championing it. Championing? 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 Somebody help me with that word. We should be the ones who are celebrating diversity. Diversity should be on the hearts of us, of our, should be on our hearts as Christians. Um... So listen, we all have different gifts and different responsibilities, and in the, it's in the midst of that diversity and that gifting um, that we find our unity as a church body. It's by design. God designs you to be unique and to be different and have different gifts, and that's beautiful and that's okay. Christianity should be the one place. I talked about it earlier in unity, and it's why it goes so well with unity. It's why diversity and unity go together. Christianity should be the one place where you can approach God, and it doesn't matter whether you're you're disabled or what your skin color is or what your gender is or how much money you make. None of that matters. Matters, and you are designed that way, and that is intentional by God because he loves diversity. Okay, so unity and diversity actually go together, they're not separate. And when you take those two things, when you take unity and diversity and they work together, you get spiritual maturity. Um, and when Paul starts to talk about spiritual maturity towards the end here, one of the things he says is that it's just time to grow up. He's very much calling the church in Ephesus to grow up. He said he calls them to manhood. Um, and I, I'm sure you guys hear that a lot in your lives right now, because you're, you're honestly in a place where you're, you're not you're not kids anymore. You know what I mean? And so I hear, I'm sure you hear that it's time to grow up thing all the time. So, um, but I remember hearing that from my parents and my teachers growing up, and it was one of the most annoying things I ever heard. So I'm not going to continue to beat that dead horse. Um, uh, I'm going to move on to um, to just what Paul says and, and how to be mature. First, he says that we ought to be like Christ. He calls us to Christ-likeness. And that's in verse 13. Um, and he's just super super clear about it, honestly, in verse 13. He says, Until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. Um, and it's, it's a really fancy Paul way of saying, Hey, man, be, be like Jesus. Be like Christ. Be mature like him. And I know that sounds super obvious, kind of like, well, well, duh, Caleb, if we're Christians, we should be like Jesus. And I know that sounds obvious and kind of like a no-brainer, but it was a really good reminder for me. As I was reading this passage, one of the things that I realized is in my own life, I tend to get super lost in religion. And I forget that the goal is to be close to Christ and be like Christ. Listen, it's, it's super awesome that you guys are here on Sunday night. Um, or that you come here on Sunday mornings, or it's it's awesome that you read your Bible or that you pray. But the goal of being uh, of doing those things is never just to check off that box. So don't get lost in the religion. Listen, the goal, the reading your Bible is very much a means to an end. The goal of reading your Bible is not so that you can store a bunch of knowledge in your head and you can answer all the right questions. The goal of reading your Bible is so that you can get close to Jesus and so that you can be like him, so that you can have a relationship with him. So don't get lost in the religion of, of checking off that box because that's not, that's not going to help you be closer to Christ. Uh, the next thing is this, um, that, that Christ calls us to know what we believe as Christians. And this, this starts to get into kind of scary because there's so much to learn in the Bible. The Bible's a big book. And so I don't think what Paul's calling us to do here is memorize the Bible. What Paul is calling us to do is, is understand the core of what we believe as Christians so that when the world tosses us around, when it throws scary lies at us, when he says when, it's, when, he, when the world schemes and throws deceit at us, that we know what we believe, that we're not easily shaken, that we're not easily tossed around. Um, and so it's important to understand that what we what we believe as Christians. But I I want to be super clear about what we believe what we believe as Christians. So if you guys want to go ahead and watch this video real quick, um, it's a super cool like six. The video of What we believe in, uh, here. God's. That was a cool. Um, Cool little one-minute breakdown as to what we believe here at Redemption Chapel and just as Christians as general. And listen, uh, when you're talking about learning about God and spiritual maturity, I want to be super clear. Because there's some of you who are in this room that have heard that a million times. And you got a pretty good grasp on the gospel and you, you understand what, just, what was just said in those 60 seconds. And there's some of you, maybe that's your first time hearing it, um, and you don't have a super good grasp on exactly what he was talking about. And that's Okay. Spiritual maturity is very much a process, just like maturity in real life is. There's going to be growth that happens over the course of time, and that's all right. So if you know a lot, first of all, if you know a lot and you feel like you're spiritually mature, don't be a jerk. okay? Don't be the guy who's a, the, the... I'm sure you've had conversations with somebody who knows a lot about something, and they do the, Well, actually, it's like this. Don't be that person. Nobody likes that person. And if you're new to Christianity and you're struggling to grow and you're just trying to figure out the basics, that's also okay. Don't be afraid to ask for help and reach out and grow in that process. So, so look, um, in light of everything I just said, I have, I have a question for you guys. How many of you have heard the phrase, and it's a really Christianese, like, churchy phrase, but how many of you have heard the phrase, uh, you don't have to uh, like them, but you do have to love them? Show of hands. Where somebody, yeah? All right. So, um, I just can't reconcile that phrase with what we just read, right? I don't see how that fits into, into unity or diversity or maturity because um, it, it just doesn't make sense. So if God in his, his infinite grace and love and mercy wrapped himself up into, into a, a little human body so that he could come down and die on the cross for you, um, did that and then took you and placed you into a family where you could be safe and loved and cared for, why would we respond with, well, you, you don't have to like him very much, that's a stupid thing to do. It's kind of spitting in the face of what God did by placing you in this family. Christianity ought to be the one place where the Christian family, the Christian unit, ought to be the one place where you, can become, where you can come and be loved and be yourself and be close to God. And we take that and we say, well, you actually don't have to like the other people in your family. That's such a, that's such a weird thing to say. That's such a weird way to approach it. And I for so long approached it that way. When I was your guys' age, I was desperately, desperately in need of Christian friendship and of Christian fellowship. I was very much disconnected from the church in a lot of ways. And it it made it hard to grow. And it it wasn't that I didn't have friends. The issue was that all of my friends were drug dealers. Um, And that made it very hard to grow with Jesus and walk with him. And listen, it it might not be that your friends are drug dealers. It's kind of an, an extreme example. It might just be that your friends aren't pushing you towards Jesus and so you're disconnected from that family, and so you don't get to experience the unity and diversity and maturity that happens when you're connected to the church. Um, so here's the thing. The, then the question is, well, how do, I, how do I practice unity within the church? And it's actually a super simple application. You just, you got to hang out with each other. I mean, that's, it's a super, it's a simple first step, and it's an easy first step, but just hang out with each other. I'm not telling you guys do anything crazy. For the application with this section, just treat each other like brothers and sisters, which means at times you play ultimate frisbee or you watch video games or watch video games, you play video games together, you watch movies together. Um, maybe you play a board game. I don't know what it is, whatever you guys do. I know it's Ohio and it's about to be winter so sometimes hanging out means like getting in your friend's car and driving around and like listening to music and maybe maybe going and getting kicked out of Walmart. I understand that, that's like, that, that sometimes that's hanging out in Ohio but just hang out with each other. It's a super super easy, super simple application. Um, so I'm actually going to go ahead and invite the, the band back up on stage. Um, and, uh, as I do that, I'm going to pray. So if you guys want to go ahead and bow your heads and pray with me, um, Lord, thank you for this opportunity, um, to, to gather tonight and to, um, to just come before you and, uh, and praise you and love you and worship you, um, you. Yeah, thank you, Lord, Um, and in Jesus' name I pray, amen.